We all say we want to have a blessed life, but what does that really mean? Is it simply having a nice car, a big house, new clothes? What if a blessed life isn't what you think? What if it's more about what you give away than what you hold on to? What if it's more about the contents of your heart than the contents of your bank account? How do we really live the blessed life? to work on my microphone a little bit because we've had a lot of trouble we've had a board go out we've got one that's temporary and so we just got to do a little sound check see and you thought that was me so we've just got to do a little sound check to make sure we got because luke is back there he's actively working on no kidding i'm not lying we're going to get a new system back there we haven't gotten it yet it's coming in and out so i'm just killing time up here talking before we get into anything okay because we're trying to get it all leveled how's it working out so far for you is it low enough where you can't hear me because that's what we're looking for we're going for that goal where you can take a nap if you would, for your power nap, just write an extra check today, okay? Because that's what I do. That's why I'm here. And I just... <laughs> They're just going, yeah, we know. Okay, what's the problem, right? Okay, so I have to explain Ray Sheffield because he got up and he talked about getting the barbecue stuff going and how we could cook and clean up the trailers and get the possums out. Maybe we'll cook those. And who knows? we got a lot of Alabama. And you know what that can be like. <laughs> mm. So <laughs> I just I knew that I shouldn't have had that Dr. Pepper this morning. So, so <laughs> what I was thinking, <laughs> maybe I should clog. I don't know. I'm just thinking um, that uh, I should explain. So he said we had a lot of Alabama people, but I didn't put it all together. the Alabama people because the Lanier's are here. The Lanier's, raise your hand, Lanier's. They're right here, yeah. <clears throat> the Lanier's, both of them used to be on our staff and they prayed a lot, God answered their prayer and they got to leave. So now they live in Oxford, Alabama. There's something about her parents want to be close to the grandchildren. I don't know. Sounds like a selfish thing to me. But anyway, they moved up there, but we still go see them. Okay, we're going to try this one now. Let's see what it does. Hi. Oh, that's so much better. Mm. My goodness, you will be able to sleep now, won't you? Anyway, we're working on it. We're working. It's not our fault, okay? The thing went out. We've got a, a temporary board. We're going to have to work some more on that, but we will get another one, okay? This will make you give more, if anything else. Oh, I, I'm going to have this, too. A boom. He's going to give me a boom. He has no idea how dangerous that is. Okay, now you're going to think I can put this in here, right? So. Well, there's no danger of that happening, okay? Wait, is that? Okay, look, it's got to go like that, but then, but then I've got to turn it a little bit, but it won't stay up. Aren't you glad you came? Really? I'm, I'm just going to take this one off and put it in here, since we're not using it. Okay, you think that's anywhere near me there? Can anybody... It's got a little ring to it, doesn't it? A lot like my neck. Okay, well, just catch the ones you can, and we'll go on from there. Okay, can you hear me now? Okay, well, I'm sorry. So, <laughs> 
We're going to talk about the blessed life. We're starting a new series today, and it's going to go for six weeks. And if you can't be here each week, I hope you can. But if you can't be here each week, I hope that you will be here to be a part of it online or some way that you can catch it, because I think you'll learn a lot. Um, this is a study that we did years ago, and we also taught on it. And people said they really learned a lot from it. And so is it close enough? Because I'm getting a little bit of a ring, and I, I really don't want that because I'm just funny that way. But um, anyway, so I wanted it to be loud enough where you can hear, but not too, too much. Okay, let's start again. Hi, how are you? We're glad to welcome you today, and we're glad to welcome those worshiping with us online. So glad you could be here for The Blessed Life. This is a new series. Now, the Lord cares about our hearts, and God blesses giving from the right attitude of our hearts, okay? So I want, to th I want you to ask you to, to think about your own life for a moment this morning. And I want you to think honestly about yourself. And I want you to think to yourself this question. Am I a person who realizes how blessed I really am? Do I really realize how blessed I am? And before you answer that to yourself, don't tell me, just think about it. Then ask yourself this question. If I'm really blessed, then why do I complain? Do I ever complain? Because you know what? I've been guilty of that. I, I, I feel blessed. I feel like I'm a blessed person. I really do. I'm thankful. I'm grateful. I mean, I had an episode here a few years back where I almost died, so I'm just glad to be here, right? But you know, I still find myself on occasion complaining. And I'm thinking, you know, when I'm complaining, I wonder how God feels when he hears me complain. Because he's blessed me so, and yet I'm complaining. Why would I do that? Maybe sometimes like my kids would complain about something and I would go, well, you just don't know how good you got it. You just don't realize how great things are. You know, you ought to be thankful, but, you know, I'm probably guilty of the same thing too. So when we give, we are blessed, but that's not our motivation for giving. So I want you to think today and I want you to think this six weeks and I want you to, to, to spend some time in prayer with God and say, now, Lord, I really am blessed. I'm so grateful to be saved. I'm so grateful for the way you blessed my life. So much of my life is good. I am a grateful person. I'm grateful that we didn't have a hurricane yet this year, right? Because we had Michael and we're still trying to recover. The people are still trying to recover from that, right? Maybe you still are, you know? It's just, it's still with us, right? And so, but how does that show up in my life? Am I a person who's just letting people know how grateful I am? And, and there's truth in the Bible. You know, truth is not something you can compromise. Truth is real. And the Bible is God's truth. Jesus said, you shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. So it's not just your own truth. It's not just, okay, I'll just make something up. No, it's, it's actually something that's real that God provides for us. And so we know that the truth is in the Bible, and it can change our life and our marriage. It can change our family and our health and our relationships. It can change our attitude toward our jobs. And so in Matthew, the seventh chapter, it says this, <clears throat> Judge not that you be not judged, for what with what judgment you judge, you will be judged, and with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. Judge not, and you shall not be judged. Condemn not, and you shall not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put at your bosom. 
for with the same measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. Now, another way to say that is what goes around comes around, right? Have you ever heard that? And so what we do in life, what we give is what we receive. The word money doesn't appear anywhere in the scripture there that we were just talking about. But when we talk about that, when you hear about giving, you think about money. It makes you think about that. Giving, though, is really all about the heart. Jesus says, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also, right? Any of you have grandchildren? Grandchildren, yeah. And when you have grandchildren, you got a treasure right there, don't you? And you've got a heart for that treasure. And you ever spend money on your grandchildren? And you, and you grudgingly do it. You, you're bitter about it. You hate to spend money. You wish you'd save that money, don't you? And don't be spending it on those kids, right? No, you're so thankful. You're so, buy them a snow cone. Take them to the ice cream shop. You know, it's just, I'll, I'll buy them whatever, you know. They're just, they're just tickled pink to be there with them and spend time with them. And some people say, God is after your money. Have you ever heard that? Well, the church, they're just after your money. God's after your money. Okay, I want to set this straight today. God is after your money. Did you know that? I'm just let's just go ahead and put it out there right now. Let's just get over it so we don't have to worry about. It. Do you know why? Because he's after your heart. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also because God doesn't really need your money, right? You know that, don't you? Some people think God needs money. They think he retired. He didn't set enough back. He didn't know we were going to have the global pandemic. He didn't know that the economy was going to take a turn and his investments weren't going to work out as well. Somehow the hurricane surprised him. He didn't know the tornadoes were coming. All those things that have cost money, he just didn't plan enough, so we got a pony up here because God's in trouble, right? Let me just get this straight for you. If God created everything, if he needed something, how would he get it? He'd just make it. That's right. So God doesn't need anything from us financially, but he does it for our benefit. Now, if you, if you have stock and you check your stock all the time, then that can be where your treasure is, right? So you kind of have to keep everything in balance. He wants your heart to be in the kingdom because that's where your treasure needs to be. In these verses, he talks about judgment, condemnation, and forgiveness. And he says, whatever you give is what you'll receive. So if you give judgment, that's what you'll get. If you give condemnation, that's what you get. If you give forgiveness, that's what you get. Now I want you to go back with me to the seventh grade. It was a long time ago. Yes, I'm familiar with that. Hmm, the seventh grade, I remember it sort of. Okay, so I can really remember in the seventh grade, one morning before school, I was in the class with my other student friends there, and somebody said something, and you know how in junior high you can be a little self-conscious? Probably not y'all, but me. I was self-conscious in junior high, and you're going through puberty, and, and you know, I had a lot of um, what you call acne on my face, and I, so there were a lot of big red zits on my face at that time, and, and then uh, I had braces on my teeth, so I was a real catch, and then... <laughs> Uh, if I ever wore anything green, I kind of looked like Christmas, to be truthful and honest with you. And so I was in there, so I wasn't, I wasn't real crazy about life at that time. And so I noticed one day, somebody said something before class, and trying to be funny, I said something smart aleck. And I just kind of caught myself, and I thought, why would I say that? And it hurt the guy's feelings. I said, you know, I'm just not going to do that. I know, don't get too haughty because you were smart Alex too in junior high, I know. But, but you know, I thought, I'm not going to do that. I, 
I'm going to try to encourage people and lift people up. I'm going to try to make them feel good about life. I'm going to try to help them. And so I just, I just made this conscious decision. I didn't always follow it, but I made this conscious decision that I was going to try to be more positive and helpful because give and it will be given to you. You know, that's really the truth, isn't it? We can give mercy and understanding and patience and time and service and money. And whether you, whatever you give, know that it's going to come back to you. Now, that makes a difference when you start giving, doesn't it? Because it's good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. That's what God says. You get back so much more than you give because you really can't outgive God. God has blessed us abundantly. How could we ever give him what all he's given us? He gave his son so that we could have eternal life. Now, you can apply this in other areas because there's sowing and reaping. When I was growing up, I was in high school, and a lot of my buddies, their dads owned nurseries, and so we grew trees. This was McMinnville, Tennessee. The climate was perfect for that kind of thing. I worked in the nursery some, and you would plant things. And when you would plant things, you wouldn't just get one for one, but you would get multiple things back, right? Have you ever just dropped watermelon seeds while you're eating, and then all of a sudden you have watermelons growing up there, you know? Because it just takes one seed, but it's just the, the whole concept of sowing and reaping. It's the law that, that you get so much more back than you give. Well, you can apply that to anything because that's true in life. And the problem about giving, and it teaches us in the present uh, gain, it can't be the primary motive for giving. In other words, well, I'm going to give this so I can get something back. That's really not about giving. Giving is just giving freely, giving because you love, giving like you do your grandchildren, maybe your children, giving like you do your spouse or friends. You just give it because you love them and you want to offer it to them. Now, God doesn't want us to catch a vision of getting. God wants us to catch a vision of giving because no matter how much we accumulate, no matter how much we amass, it's never enough. We, you, can't, you can't satisfy that desire. But then when you start giving, that's just a, an exciting thing and you want to give more and share more with others. If a parent, you're talking to a parent and the parent is saying, you know what, my kids yell at me all the time. I don't know why they yell at me. I wish they wouldn't yell at me. And then the parent turns to the next room and yells at their kids as, you know, go clean up your room. And, and then they look back at you and say, I don't know why they yell. Where did they learn that? Who taught them to do that kind of thing? You know, what you give out is what you give back. And so Luke says, if you give yelling, you get yelling. He didn't really say that, but that's really what we're talking about, right? Now, how are you going to develop a heart of generosity? Because I think we all think, if we just think off the cuff, am I a generous person? We all think, well, yes, yes, I am a generous person. But are we really generous people? In Deuteronomy, God tells us four things we need to do. So let's look at that, shall we? And we can apply that to our lives. If there is, if there is among you a poor man of your brethren within any of the gates in your land, which the Lord your God is giving you, you shall not harden your heart nor shut your hand from your poor brother, but you shall open your hand wide to him and willingly lend him sufficient for his need, whatever he needs. And so what we have to deal with first is we have to deal with a selfish heart, and that's number one. Do I have a selfish heart? Because God, again, what does he care about? He cares about our hearts, that's right. And in Deuteronomy there, it speaks directly and it addresses this, the terms of the heart about generosity and giving. 
Moses exhorts God's people to give generously and willingly to those who are in need. In Deuteronomy, the 15th chapter, it says this, Beware lest there be a wicked thought in your heart saying, The seventh year, the year of release, is at hand, and your eye be evil against your poor brother, and you give him nothing, and he cry out to the Lord against you and become sin among you. Now let me ask you, what's he talking about there? It goes on, I'll tell you more. You shall surely give to him, and your heart should not be grieved when you give to him, because for this thing the Lord your God will bless you in all of your works and in all to which you put your hand. Okay, what's he talking about? Back in the Old Testament days, they had the year of Jubilee, okay? Everybody look at the person next to you and say, the year of Jubilee. Yay! Yeah, right, see? Okay, the year of Jubilee meant that you didn't have to pay back bills that year. So in other words, if you had debt that seventh year, you didn't have to pay anything back. And what this is talking about, the Jewish people were supposed to, a Jew was always supposed to loan money or need whatever to another Jew. That was just the law in the Old Testament, right? And so what it's talking about is don't be so focused on getting back what you're giving. Don't worry as much about that. If the year of Jubilee is coming up and you think you're not going to get something back, don't focus on that because God is our source. And God is the one who supplies our needs. It's not going to come from somebody else. God gives us everything we have. If you don't believe me, think about when you were born, what did you bring with you? Your birthday suit, that was about it, wasn't it? And that's all you're taking out of here when you go, right? And so what he's saying is, is I'm your source. Well, you say, well, well I worked and, and I had a job and, and I was smart. I did it. Well, who made you smart? And who gave you that opportunity and who gave you that job and who put, placed you in a place where you could be blessed that way? And so that's what he was talking about. He said, don't be selfish. Don't have begrudging hearts because selfishness, he said, is wickedness. God wants us to be generous because he is generous. He wants us to be like him. And he's generous. We know he's generous. He's a generous God. So God did not create generous, gen generosity because he needs our money or our resources. God owns everything. As I said, if he wanted something, he could just create it, right? The reason God created giving was for our benefit. Giving for believers works on selfish, the selfishness and the greed in our hearts. If you feel like you're struggling with selfishness, if you feel like you're struggling with greed, then give something away. Do something to be a blessing to somebody else. It'll take that away from you. Now, let me tell you where this doesn't apply, okay? There's one area where we men have not come all the way as far as we need to come. Now, ladies, you know what I'm talking about. Here it comes. Let me say this to you ladies. There's this one area of selfishness that men don't grow out of, and, and you know what it is. Don't give me a litany of things, but you know what it is, okay? We don't like to share our food. I'm just going to put it out there and tell you, okay? Here's what happens. You know, we take our wives to the store. We take our dates to the, to the drive-thru, and we say, would you like something? And what does she say? No, thanks. I'll just eat some of yours. No, you won't. I'm going to tell you what's going to happen. I'm going to, I'll buy you anything you want, but you can't have mine. I'm keeping it for myself. That's why I'm here. I'm eating all my fries. You can't have any of those. Not even the ones that are in the bottom of the bag. They belong to me, okay? So we got this selfishness thing going on, a selfish heart. We need to grow beyond that. You laugh at me, but it's true. 
And maybe there's an area like that for everyone here. Maybe you'd like to confess, but we don't have time for that, okay? So we're going to move on. Then second, we need to deal with a grieving heart. Now, Deuteronomy, the 15th chapter, says this. You shall surely give to him, and your heart should not be grieved when you give to him, because for this thing the Lord your God will bless you in all your works and in all to which you put your hand. Now, what's he talking about there? When you learn to give with a right heart, God blesses you in everything you do. Selfishness attacks us before we give. I'm not so sure I can afford to give that. I might need that for myself. I might need to hang on to that. I better keep that. I should not give that. And then after we give, then what happens? Well, grief affects us then because we say, I knew I shouldn't have given that because just as soon as you give something, something breaks. That's a law. Did you know that? It happens that way. And all the devil wants to say is, see, there you shouldn't have given that because now you got to pay for this. But God says, you know what? I've got it. I've got it. In my devotional this week, this wife was talking about it. And she said, you know, I've got two ways to look at things. I can look at it and I can say, you know, i got a big problem right now because, you know, I've got these bills coming in and then this just broke and all this stuff's going sideways. And then my, my husband's business is not doing as well right now because of COVID or whatever else is going on. And all this seems to be happening at once. Or instead of focusing on the circumstances, I can focus on how big my God is. I got a big problem, but guess what? My God is bigger. It really depends on where we focus. Now, here's what happens. If we focus on our problems, we tend to complain, and we've already said we don't want to do that. But if we focus on God, we tend to focus on our blessings. We tend to focus on what's positive and be more positive and have a right heart. So that's what he's saying to us, and that's the way we need to live. Now, often the reason a person gives and, and grieves after giving is because they have a false perspective. See, what happens is sometimes we think that the stuff belongs to us, but it doesn't belong to us. We're just stewards of it. It's not really ours. Let me give you an example. When our daughter Catherine was in the fifth grade, we were living in Opelika, Alabama, and I was the one, because my wife taught school, I was the one that went on the field trips. So you, you think higher of me now, don't you? I was the one who would go on the field trip with the kids. And so Catherine, they got on the bus, and I drove the car. We drove over to Tallahassee, Alabama. When you get off the interstate there, it's just flat as it can be. I mean, it's just flat. And then you come right up to this hill and it goes straight up. And it's just the fingers of the Appalachians. It's just beginning to start right there. And it's dramatic. So we go over, we park in this big field. And we're just parked out there on this big field. We're still down in this valley, right? And it's foggy that morning. All the school buses are unloading. And we go through this area that's just open. They've torn a part of the fence open. You can just walk through. We step in to this field. And when we step in and it's foggy, then you start looking around. It's like we went back in time. They've got all this Civil War stuff. They've got all these cannons over here. They're going to show you that. They've got a place where the blacksmith is working, show you how that works. They've got a place over here where they're going to square dance later on and dance and teach you. They've got everybody's dressed in that period. They have a, an actual little skirmish later on, you know, and people are on horses and they're doing all this stuff. And we're sitting on these chairs, these benches, and we're looking up and up on this hill, and, you know, where the, the land just kind of comes out like that and then it just slopes off. And it's just flat all the way to the interstate from there. But up on this hill, there's this house. And he says, that was the Gibson house. And this was the Gibson plantation. 
And when you were standing up on top of that hill, you could look out and everywhere you could see belonged to Mr. Gibson. He owned all that land. Now it's all subdivided and chopped up and there's a road that runs through it. And very little of that is still actually part of the Gibson's land. And the house is about to fall in there. But you know, at one time, what would it have been like to be Mr. Gibson? And I'm sure he stood on his front porch and I'm sure he looked out like that. And I'm sure he thought to himself, I am so blessed. Look at all I have. But let's bring him back today. Mr. Gibson, is this your house now? Well, it's about to fall in. Is this your farm, your plantation now? Well, no, it's all chopped up and a lot of different people own all of it now. Listen, a hundred years from now, is your house going to be your house? Well, is it really yours? Or did God just give it to you for a while so that you could be a good steward and use it for his glory? Maybe you open it up and have Bible studies there. Maybe you're a blessing to somebody else. Maybe God's blessed you and so you give to other people, you give to other causes. Why? Maybe you have a place that's beautiful and other people like to come and so you invite them and they just come and retreat there and it's a blessing to, is it really yours or does it belong to God? And you can apply that to anything in life because really it all applies to God. Think of it this way. You go to the bank and the bank teller takes $100 out of your account and gives it to you. And then what does the bank teller do? They immediately go in the back and begin to cry. And they grieve because they've just given away $100, right? No, it's out of your account. It belongs to you. They haven't lost anything unless they took it out of the wrong account. Everything's good, right? Right? And so they don't worry about that. Well, the same way what God gives us, he wants us to give without grieving because we realize who owns it god owns it the fact is that god doesn't bless giving you heard me right god blesses giving with the right attitude of the heart he doesn't want us to give grudgingly so secondly we deal with a grieving heart okay number three let's move on we develop a generous heart and it says in deuteronomy the 15th chapter you shall supply him liberally from your flock, from your threshing floor, and from your wine press. From what the Lord your God has blessed you with, you shall give to him. What's he talking about? He's, he's talking about the tithe. He's talking about giving back to God the way he's given to you. And what did, what did shepherds do back then? They would give the first lamb. That would be the one that was without spot or blemish. That would be the one that was slain, not the one that would bring the most at the marketplace necessarily, although they, they, because they didn't know which one would, but they wouldn't give the one that nobody wanted. They wouldn't give the one that was not going to make it. They wouldn't give the one that was diseased. They wanted to give something to say, I love you, Lord. I'm going to give the best that I've got. And as far as I know, this is it. So I'm going to give it back to you. Now, listen. You were born selfish. Say that to the person next to you. You were born selfish. Once again, without the attitude, okay? Because they're saying it back to you. Now, here's the other part of that. But you were born again generous. Now, say that to them. You were born again generous. So what does that mean? 
It means we have to renew our minds. Every parent knows that we've had to teach our children to share because they don't automatically know it. If they have siblings, what do they say? They fight over it. And the older one has something and the younger one wants it and she screams, mine, mine, mine. And it just goes up the nerve in your back and you're about to do something that you're going to regret. And so you say, just give it to her. But daddy, it's mine. I don't care. She has my stuff too. Just give it to her. I want silence in the house, right? That's what you're looking for. And so you just give it to them because you have to teach them to share. And so, do you know what God says to all of his children? When are you going to grow up? When are you going to stop saying, mine, mine, mine? When are you going to become like your father? When are you going to love like he loves? So we need to develop a generous heart. And then the fourth thing, we need to develop a grateful heart. And it says in Deuteronomy, the 15th chapter, you shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt and the Lord your God redeemed you. Therefore, I command you, to, I command you this thing today, okay? And so uh, what he has done for us makes all the difference. Now, why did God want to remind the Israelites that they were slaves in Egypt? Because when they looked back and they saw where they had come from, they were so grateful because of where God had brought them. I don't have to be a slave in Egypt anymore. Now I can live in freedom. God's going to take me to the promised land. My life is going to be wonderful now. You know, when I look back to my time in the hospital and I had that tube down my nose and, and they, were, they had all these things in my arms and they were trying to keep me alive. And I, I thought to myself, you know, when I get out of here, I'm going to be so grateful. I'm going to be grateful that I can drink water and I don't have to chew ice. I'm going to be grateful that I can actually eat food again. I'm just so, and boy, I was grateful. I, I told Laura when I went back for my checkup, I said, I want to go back to both floors I was on. I want to go see the nurses. I want to tell them all how much I appreciate them. If they're not there, I want to tell them to tell their friends when they come back how much I appreciate them because I'm a grateful man. When I look back, and I do often, I look back at how it was then. I'm a grateful man to even be here today and to have my health and to be able to be out doing what I'm doing. My, my sister and my brother-in-law came down this week. They had fall break in Tennessee. And for some reason, our family likes to come to Florida. I don't know why. They want to do that, and they say something about the beach, the beach. And so they came down. Well, one of my sister's friends came down with her daughter, and they were looking for a venue for a wedding. I had met her years ago. They came by the office. We visited together. First thing she said to me when she saw me, I prayed for you. I heard about what was going on in your life. I knew when you were in the hospital, and I'm just so grateful. She said, my husband's had something similar happen to him. We're just so grateful. And I said, you know, it's the grace of God and the prayers of so many people, and I'm grateful. So let me thank you because you prayed for me because I really do appreciate it. And so when we allow God to remind us that we're not slaves to sin anymore, well, that's a reason to be thankful, isn't it? Now we can celebrate what God is doing and his glorious hand has been upon us and we're grateful. And when we're grateful, you know what happens? We become generous. I'm so grateful, Lord, thank you. What can I give? How can I help? What can I do? And the heart of a gratitude is a vital key to cultivating a life of generosity. Why are some people so generous? Because they've never forgotten that they were saved. It could happen a long time ago. We could take it for granted if we're not careful. It could happen. But you know what? Even if it happened like it did for me when I was 10 years old, and I will be 65 in February, 
You know, it's still just as real, and it makes all the difference, doesn't it? And what a blessed life I've had, and what a blessed life I'll have. And, and we're never, we never forget where we came from, and we never forget that it all came from God. Always remember what God has done for you. Always remember that, because generosity will give you a healthy, happy heart. And all God's children said, Amen. Amen.